<laughs> Any questions tonight? Yes. Um, I had a question about when people who have a tendency to commit Vaishnava Aparad, how did they ever... Very bad. How, how did they ever get out of that? Because it seems like the tendency would be to more of the tendency to do that. Well, this is uh, true with anything, isn't it? That... Uh, which is your point, that if we develop a samskar for acting in a particular way, then it tends to uh, be self-perpetuating. And um, so, similarly, that is the case with, uh, with, uh, with Vaishnava Parad. And I have seen devotees who, in my estimation, have developed... Is some scar for that. That's not good. And um, so your question is how to overcome that. Um, of course, here we're talking about a some scar for Vaishnava Parad, and Aparads are, in a sense, sins of the soul, whereas tendencies or some scars, impressions that, uh, that serve to perpetuate materialistic activities whether it be good karma or, or bad karma. Um, these are, from the bhakti perspective, more like sins of the, of the flesh rather than sins of the soul. The point here being, of course, that aparad and its effects can extend into the virtual spiritual world of bhava-bhakti. Hmm? Bhava-bhakti is the, is the goal of sadhana-bhakti. So it is a, an attainment, and it is an attainment of that which is eternal. Hmm? Um, that, that said, in Bhava Bhakti, there's a culture of that Bhava in this world that that which that Bhava which is a ray in Rupa Goswami's uh, language of the son of Prema. So the culture of that ray brings us into the light of the sun and we go from bhava-bhakti to prema-bhakti. But bhava-bhakti, as I'm speaking about it, is a virtual spiritual world. I've compared it before something uh, to be something like having graduated. In the the United States, we have a system within the athletic field uh, that a person who graduates from college is an expert in, in one of the sports they can get drafted onto a professional team, hmm? and they and they practice with the main team, and uh, they and they and they sit on the bench, waiting for their their time to actually become a player. Maybe one of the other senior persons becomes hurt, their number becomes called, and, and there they are. So they're there, they're playing, they're on the team but they're not on, always on the field or haven't entered the field yet in, 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 
in a full sense of being um, uh, professional in, in their particular sport. So, Baba Bhakti is something like that. Hmm? So you made it. You're, you're on the team. And now you need a little tenure and time, and the game is faster than it was in college, and so you have to pick up uh, um, the speed, and, and it's more complex, and stakes are higher, and so on and so forth, more intense. So the intensity there, really, with the association of the actual players, then, so something like that. Yeah, to take it a little further, of course, even on the, in Chaitanya Vaishnavism, even after attaining Prem, hmm, then one said to take birth in the Leela of Krishna, then further, further hands-on training before they actually get their award or something like that. Um, they go into the Hall of Fame, as it's thought in the sports world. So, at any rate, um, Bhava Bhakti, as I'm explaining, is, is a perfection, and it is, at the same time, um, a perfection to be cultivated and churned and perfected, perfection, perfecting the perfection. Hmm. Um, and so it is a virtual, spiritual uh, world in this world. So it, it's you're in the world in a sadhaka day, but internally you are cultivating meditative internal life that will turn into that meditative body becoming your next so-called physical body, if you will, hmm? and you won't be meditating anymore. Hmm? But that which you're experiencing internally, meditating will be, will be before you. So so it, uh, the point here is with regard to Aparad, we, we can refer to, the, to it as a sin of the soul rather than of the flesh because it, it, it may extend, its life may extend into Bhava Bhakti. Hmm? So this... Uh, Underscores the um, the power of aparad, which is basically to go against the hand that feeds you. If you're on the path of bhakti, you're offending bhakti, offending Bhagawan, his Vaishnavas, um, uh, save aparad, nam aparad, different types of aparad. So, um, and meanwhile, the 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 sins of the flesh, material desires, distractions, and so forth, these are much more, much easier to, to um, overcome. Even the stage of an artanivritti, and nishta, they're pretty much done in that they, they, traces of them would be there, but they can't affect our bhakti anymore. This is within when sadhana still he goes to the stage, she goes to the stage of ruchi, asakti, and then bhava bhakti. But again, these... Uh, some offenses, and some offenses are, are more powerful than others. Nam aparad has a more lasting effect than seva aparad. Therefore, you can counteract seva aparad by nam, hmm? some form of nam, or some form of save kirtan, I should say. So, if you do seva aparad to the deity, you can sit before the deity and do kirtan of, for example, reciting the Gita, reciting the Bhagavatam, or you can do nam kirtan as well. Of course, this is not something you do say Varaparad, you do Nam Kirtan and go back and forth. But the point being that there are, um, some Aparads apparently are more more powerful and lasting in terms of their effect than others. Hmm? And again, to emphasize the point, um, 
that we might avoid the aparad, most of which can be avoided very easily by learning about them. That, that's, that's the importance of sambandagyan. If you learn, for example, that chanting the name of Krishna and chanting the name of Ganesh and thinking of them are equal is an offense, then it's easy to stop chanting the name of Ganesh and thinking it's the same as chanting the name of Krishna. Not too many people would make that offense, although we do find kirtaneers these days <laughs> doing Shiva kirtan and Ganesh kirtan and, and, and so forth, and maybe they don't think it's the same, but it's not a typical characteristic of, 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 of Krishna bhaktas and of Gaudiya Vaishnavas. Hmm. Better, in my opinion, to chant the Krishna nam and explain why you don't chant Shiva, no, Shiva, Shiva kirtan or Ganesh kirtan or Durga kirtan. It would probably be very interesting to the audience. Hmm as you show your colors, so to speak, proudly, and how you're a proud member of the humble, uh, a humble mem- proud to be a humble member of the, <laughs> of the uh, uh, Gaudiya Sampradaya. Uh, but, uh, again, many of these offenses can be overcome by Samadhyam. That's why in Bhakti Thakur's time, he felt uh, there's something going on in the name of initiation and the extension of Gaudiya Vaishnavism in many sectors, that resembles Gaudiya Vaishnavism and what initiation constitutes and so forth in form, but in substance it doesn't because the disciples are not receiving sufficiently Sambandha Gyan and therefore they're initiated as some kind of a formality, and um, but they're not making progress and therefore they they continue to they go to the, this temple and the Chandurga, this one and that one, and they don't, just to use that example again. Um, so he called them Vaishnav Pray, almost Vaishnavas, something like that. And I think he would categorize the, their gurus uh, in the same way. Hmm. So there was a strong emphasis at that time by Bhakti Vinod on, on Siksha because the emphasis was so much on Diksha that if you get Diksha from me, then you're perfect, even though I don't even know the philosophy. Uh, but I'm in the family lineage of... Uh, Nityananda Prabhu, perhaps, uh, you know, over hundreds of years, and even if you drink my urine, that will be good for you. These kind of ideas were out and about, and Bhakti Vinodhaka had to encounter those, and uh, Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasati Thakur, so it was disconcerting. If you think it's bad now, when you turn on the internet, uh, what's uh, there in the name of Gaudiya Vaishnavism, it was pretty bad. During the time of Bhakti Vinod, in in some some sectors, mm-hmm. and this is uh, an example. So, and the emphasis on diksha was such: if you don't get diksha from me or somebody like me in such a lineage, you're lost. And, and village people, not very well educated and thoughtful, and s- sincere in some way and humble and intimidated by that kind of misrepresentation, they would take initiation and, and they wouldn't make any progress. So, Bhaktivinotaka made statements like this, you can chant, but without Sambandagyan, you won't make progress. Hmm? Your progress would be that you come in touch with Sambandagyan. Hmm? You're making it, and then you start to assimilate that, and you get some some firm ground to stand on. Hmm? And again, I've many times said the tattva is not different from the bhava. It's the soil out of which the bhava will, will come. Hmm? What's the principal line, if you will, of tattva, of Gaudiya Vaishnavism? Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam. How is it mentioned in the Gita? Aham sarva se prabhavo, mata sarvam pravartate, timatva bhajan tevam buddha bhava samamrita. In the tenth canto, the 
first of the four chatur shlokas of the of the Gita, hmm? Krishna says, "I'm Swayam Bhagavan, Aham Sarvasya Prabhava. Everything comes from me." Hmm? He says it twice. He said it in the reverse. Everything comes from me. Aham Sarvasya. I'm the source of everything. Everything comes from me. A little emphasis for effect. Hmm? And those who know this, that means those who know Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam, and he says, they have in place one of the essential uh, elements for uh, doing the kind of bhajan by which they will attain me in Vrindavan. That's basically what he's saying. Hmm? And that element is that Krishna is that uh, manifestation of divinity hmm, in relation to whom one can give unlimitedly. Hmm, and he is the storehouse of reciprocity, reciprocity, so he can reciprocate unlimitedly, which is his own statement or challenge, if you will, in the Gita. What does he say there? Jejatamam prapadyante tamstataiva bhajamiham. He says, everybody's following me. That's unavoidable, knowingly or unknowingly. But as they come to know it, it and, and approach in a, in a particular way, I reciprocate accordingly. In Dasya, Sakya, Vatsalya, Madhurya. Hmm? That's what he's talking about there. Fourth chapter of the Gita. Hmm? Of course... In Gaudiya Vaishnavism, this verse comes up in the Bhagavatam also. Where does it come up in the Bhagavatam? This verse of the Gita. Krishna is saying, I have the power to reciprocate in kind for the measure of love that's offered to me. Where would this verse come up in the Bhagavatam? In the Rasalila. Hmm? Why? Because he's, he's... He's been, his his challenge in the Gita has been brought into question by the measure of the gopis' love and the way in which they approached him. Hmm? Oh, he's in trouble now. So this is again Krishna in existential crisis. Hmm? He finds out that there's something more than him. Hmm? <laughs> it's worshipable by him. Hmm? It's really that aspect of him that is Radha that that uh, experiences the fullness of him that can only be seen through her eyes, experienced from her perspective, and so forth. So, as an aside, that's an important point. In one sense, this is a verse in the Gita that we can say refers to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu if it's fully played out. Hmm? If you play out that verse completely, then we find uh, it's a false verse. <laughs> He cannot actually live up to the, to the promise. Hmm. But, of course, he, he's very creative, so he, he creates a way to, to more than reciprocate, in a sense, and that is the appearance of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Hmm. So, um, if uh, we have this point of tattva in place, that... If we, in other words, if we want to, if we learn, if we understand that the secret of life is that life 
moves progressively through what? What type of action is the action by which life proceeds, uh, I mean, positively, or the most gain? How do, we, how do we gain in life? Giving. By giving, yeah. This is very kind of transrational, if you will. Hmm? By giving, giving is the getting. Give, what do they say? Uh, uh, to give is to receive, right? So we know it, we say it, it's probably, there's probably a saying like that in Spanish. How do we say it in Spanish? Entiende? Is there any other saying like that? No. Dar? Okay, that's the truth. He knows it. We know it. Inherently. We hear it. We know it. Hmm? It's backwards. It's very Zen, if you will. Uh, of course, we talked about this it's at some length, uh, uh, again and again, and it's, uh, it needs to be um, emphasized. Hmm? Really, this uh, common sense, which is uncommon, that to give is to receive, which is a universally accepted uh, principle as to how the world works, hmm? is following that through to its fullest ramifications and implications is what Krishna consciousness is about. That, that you end up in Goloka Vrindavan. That's the idea. But in order to, to give... And you have to give also without expectation of return, knowing that the giving itself is the return. Hmm? So that's the other half. You have to give without expectation of return to give fully, ahoytuki, bhakti. But in order to do that, you have to be able to give it to someone who can take it all, who can absorb it all. So if you try to give unlimitedly to a an, an, an agent or an object of love that can't receive it all, then problem. So Krishna solves the problem for us. Aham sarvasya prabhava. I am Swayam Bhagavan. Everything comes from me. Hmm? Uh, so all other manifestations of divinity are, are included. Hmm? I, he's saying, I am Rasaraj. Hmm? And so knowing that, Krishna says in that verse of the Gita, then one ha- th- th- those who know that they worship me in Ragmark. Ragman, Buddha Baba Samamita, Rag Baba Samamita. They worship me, they, they, they attain me. These, are, these four verses are about attaining Krishna and Vrindavana. It ends with that, I believe. No, one after that. So. Uh, <clears throat> how we got there? Uh, uh, we're talking about Aparad, right? Mm. Um, mm, and so, in Bengal, mm, the time of Bhaktivinoda Thakur, then this kind of Sambandagyan, this is the key to the Sambandagyan. The point here is, if you have Sambandagyan, then your your ability to practice culture, bhakti, really the abhideya, the practice, the means, arises out of this base 
of knowledge. If you have your particular, whatever particular orientation you have to life, that's going to foster a certain type of action, right? So, bhakti, we can say, with no sambandha gyan, might be something like the Puranic verse that Rupa Goswami cites, Shruti Smriti Puranadi Pancharachiki Bhirimbina Aikantiki Hareyad Bhakti Utpatyai Bukhalpatyai. It's a disturbance. Hmm? Bhakti that, and this verse of course means that bhakti that's not in accordance with the Shruti, the Smriti, the Puranas, hmm? relative to the particular path you're on, That that, that 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 is a disturbance in the name of bhakti. That's a disturbance to society. In other words, that means for us. It means Hari Bhakti Vilas. It means Srimad Bhagavatam. It doesn't mean Manusmriti or uh, uh, other books for other paths like the Karma Marg or the or the Gyan Marg and so forth. This is Jiva Goswami's explanation. Hmm? But point is that there can be things that appear to be bhakti. They look like bhakti, but they're not because, really, in effect, they're they're lacking in samandagyan. Bhakti is the abhideya, the way. It arises out of this particular kind of knowledge. Hmm? Action is preceded by by thought, by knowledge. Hmm? So, uh, this is this isn't the gyan mark. This is the gyan, the knowledge within bhakti. Krishna is, is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. We are the Tatasta Shakti. There is the Maya Shakti. Hmm? There is the Sarup Shakti. Bhakti is a manifestation of the Sarup All these things. This is all Sambandagyan. Hmm? So, Bhakti Vinotaka was, was concerned, and therefore you find this emphasis at the time of Bhakti Vinotaka on Siksha. Almost as if to say, who cares for that Diksha? Hmm? What kind of Diksha was it anyway? Then, of course, he would give Diksha. <laughs> but over the over decades and and even a, a century, now you find people saying diksha is not important. Siksha is important. This is what Bhakti Mnod said or Bhakti Siddhanta. This is our line is a siksha, and so to minimize diksha. But you, you, it's not what they were doing. He was emphasizing diksha without siksha. What is that? I mean, especially by someone who can't even give this siksha, what kind of diksha is that? Both are important. The seed is important, and the watering of it is. Is important as well. Both, if you want to have a healthy plant and, and uh, grow the grow the fruit. Hmm. So, point being here that, uh, and you can understand it very practically, the sambandhagan. Let's say, for example, to with Vaishnavam aparad. If you get that knowledge, then you're not going to think chanting the name of Ganesh is same as chanting the name of Krishna. Namsan Kirtan is like a Horse sacrifice, no difference. We can do one or the other. You're not going to make those operands. Hmm? So a good number of them can be can be overcome by the knowledge of what they are. Then there are some that, well, we may commit even though we have heard about them. Hmm? We can defend the guru. We can defend the Vaishnavas. Hmm? It's possible because of the nature of our our conditioning. Hmm? We are such rebellious types, uh, if you will, and uh, um, so forth. So um, these are powerful, um, powerful apparats, and um, and the implications of them 
extend into bhava bhakti. And even within bhava bhakti, it's theoretically possible that one can make the Vaishnava, commit Vaishnava Parad. Theoretically, there are no examples other than the examples given by Jiva Goswami, which are examples of liberated souls. <laughs> uh, uh, I think in Ram Leela, hmm? and and then they committed uh, Vaishnava Parad. What was it? Dudvida, uh, gorilla, who was a resident of Bakunta. Hmm? I believe he said. Mm-hmm. Uh, in previous life and the committee so the implication is that it doesn't really happen but it could theoretically mm-hmm. at least that's what I draw from that and uh, uh, Rupa Goswami teaches there that if the if the offense in Bhava Bhakti is committed is is very powerful or of intermediate or a lesser degree mm-hmm then the reactions will be greater, intermediate, or lesser. There can be a lowering of the bhav from madhurya bhav to, to sakya bhav. There can be a doing, losing the bhav, having it turn into an abhas, only a shadow of bhav. What is the third one? Uh, hmm. Anyway, it's uh, uh, this, of course, obviously is uh, speaking about the early stages of Bhava Bhakti when the, the encore, the sprout of Bhava Bhakti is there. Mm-hmm. Later stage of Bhava Bhakti, the Stai Bhava is, is, is developed, mm-hmm. mixed with the other Bhava ingredients, turns into Prem and so forth. So, at any rate, verses are there like this to emphasize the point that we may uh, uh, try to avoid this at all costs. Hmm. Um, and for good reason, as we, can, as we can see, because even we could attain bhava and uh, aparad from our days as a sadhaka, the reaction of it will continue into bhava and and that will um, inhibit us from attaining prem. It will have to have uh, run its course, so to speak. Bhakti has the power to destroy, uh, eradicate, let's say, relieve us from karma, even parabdha karma. But what will happen with 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 aparad that's gone against bhakti? Hmm? Then we'll. Have we have to run its course. There it depends. There are ways to resolve. It said if we make aparad in our mind, we can resolve it in our mind. For example, to Vaishnava. I thought ill of him, but then I realized I was offensive. No. I think to start to think otherwise and, and uh, lament that my mind was such. If, if I offend uh, verbally, then I can verbally correct that by approaching him, her. If I offend physically, then I have to do service to that, to that Vaishnava. And it depends. Is it a superlative Vaishnava, an intermediate Vaishnava, or a novice? 
if I have a superlative Vaishnav and a physical offense, then I have the worst combination. <laughs> That's the nuclear bomb and the radiation will go. So many so many places in effect even even villages. Hmm? Isn't it? I think there's a description of a village um, in Bengal that the, the, the leader of which offended Nityananda Prabhu. The whole village was affected by the radiation. Hmm? Whole, a whole mission could be affected. The example is there. So, obviously, Nityananda Prabhu was a superlative Vaishnava, and the offense was pretty direct and with, uh, full of malice and so forth on the part of the offender. So, a few words about <laughs> Vaishnava Parad that we may be cautious about that. That doesn't mean we become neurotic. Vaishnavas are not prone to be feeling offended and so forth, but we should um, regard them and regard every Vaishnava. And, and I've said before that if we keep enough distance from everyone, we can have some respect for them. If you get too close to somebody, then who is a, who is a bad character themselves, even as a Vaishnava, then it might be hard to respect them, so you need to keep some distance. That's the art, right? Uh, that said, Vaishnava Parad is not. Uh, there, may, there, may, there, there, there are those who have the service of correcting and constructively criticizing for teaching others, and so on and so forth. Um, descriptions of what someone does accurately. Leave it for you to decide whether it's offensive or not. <laughs> on that, and I'm not saying he's offensive, but this person does this. Is uh, I encountered it. That doesn't constitute making offense. Telling the truth doesn't constitute making offense. Hmm? Um, but but we should be cautious about this because its uh, effects are uh, far-reaching and long-term. And it appears that, for the most part, uh, there are remedies, as I've mentioned, but if we don't avail ourselves to those remedies, then that will have to play itself out. I think it's explained by Vishwan Chakravitakur in uh, in uh, Madhurya Kadambani that in due course the operata will play itself out and that person again who might have been whose bhakti may have been obscured by the effect of the offense it'll, it'll again come the bhakti again come to the surface and again they'll participate. So but your question is how do, what if you've committed an offense and you developed a samskar for for making those offenses, then you just seem like you're really in a bad position. And you're right. <laughs> you're really in a bad position there. Mm-hmm. But as it is with all impressions, uh, uh, habits are formed in youth or are difficult to, to overcome, right? They're not, it's not that they can't be overcome, but uh, the will of the jiva is there and and with good association hmm, we can understand our wrongs we can be told in your last life you offended Vaishnavas that's why you can get very close to the mission but you can't quite come in hmm? you should stay in this say humbly in the association as close as you can get there's people like this they can't quite join hmm? That's one of the reasons. That may not be the only reason. Hmm. Hmm. I've seen some of them, they know quite a bit, too. 
but they just can't quite. Well, this is affected by Vaishnava. So you can tell them; they can be told. This is the reason you should understand. Hmm? You believe these things, but you don't have the power to come forward and fully embrace it, take Vaishnava diksha and so forth. You think it's because there's nobody qualified, <laughs> but no. <laughs> This is this is the problem. Hmm. So they, if they stay in the association, but then if they have a tendency to commit the offense, then but this is the problem. <laughs> How will it be resolved? It will be resolved by powerful association. By powerful association, it can be resolved. They 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 can. Um, as much as Vaishnava Parad is as powerful as we've described it, described, on the other hand, there's nothing more powerful than Sadasanga. It's the birth of Bhakti, the Janma, the Mool, the birth, the root of our Bhakti is Sadasanga. And Sadasanga is really what causes it to flourish and grow by way of inspiring um, through theory and, and example and just spiritual power our own, our own practice. So it's possible by, by, by such association in due course that it can be overcome. But that's why there are devotees in this world for a long time. Hmm? And, um, and I've seen in my life so much Vaishnavaparada and just with full-on malice without even understanding that that's what they're doing. Hmm? At times, that's uh, it's very unfortunate. But you know, when I first joined, I thought, "Well, who would ever do that? You know, <laughs> who would make a Vaishnava parade?" I thought when I was younger that if 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 Gaudiya Vaishnavism would would take over the United States, well, there'd be so much preaching. It'd be like India, become like India. So many people chanting, and on so many levels, they wouldn't understand it, and you'd have so much preaching to be done. Hmm. So the more it grows, the more it spreads and extends, and then misunderstandings of it and distortions of it start to start to develop. And then you have to deal with those, and so Bhakti Vinod was dealing with that very much in his time, hmm? and it continues today. He found thirteen different, I think, groups misrepresenting the the teachings of Rupa Goswami. We could add fourteen or fifteen to that now, maybe sixteen, hmm? out and about. So. So, but yeah, this is the answer to your question. Hmm. By powerful sadhusanga hmm, of a Param Vaishnav, or a couple of them, <laughs> it's possible that one could uh, overcome that. Hmm. Hmm. It's said, of course, that bhakti, you can't lose bhakti. Even a little bhakti. On little progress in this path, it's eternal. Still, the power of Vaishnava brought in the context of bhav bhakti, as we said earlier, it has the power to take away bhakti. It doesn't take away all their bhakti. But then again, bhava bhakti is bhakti. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, sadhana bhakti is bhakti in practice, hmm? bhava bhakti is bhakti. Because bhakti has an active and an emotive aspect to it. In sadhana bhakti, we're doing the active hearing, we're chanting, but the emotion is lacking. In bhava bhakti, 
then the emotional component of bhakti is in place and drives the hearing and the chanting rather than just doing it because you've been told to do it, because you've thought it to be good, um, understood it theoretically, and you're doing it and so forth. So Bhava Bhakti is, is, is Bhakti proper. That's why I said Bhava Bhakti is a, is a form of perfection, in a sense. It's perfection of sadhana bhakti. And that bhakti can be lost by offensive, theoretically. Again, to make the, to emphasize, four sadhakas. Hmm. Don't make Vaishnava Bhaparada. Hmm. Does that help? What else? Yes. Well, recently, one of your comments on the Hamas, Bhagavad Gita, you said that uh, in all the Gaudiya lineages, there are some philosophical and some cultural uh, diversions. So, I can understand the cultural divergence, but how can there be philosophical diversion? Because that will constitute uh, diversion from bhakti. I don't think I said diversions. I think the word irregularities. And, and of course, I was responding on the Harmonist uh, to uh, a comment about an article of Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasati Thakur that was published uh, and someone had respectfully brought up uh, the questions about Bhakti Siddhanta, when did he ever receive the Brahma Gayatri? How could he give the Brahma Gayatri? Why does he give it? It's not, it's not a Gaudiya mantra. Hmm? And, and how, where did he ever get it anyway? And uh, some of these old kind of stories that... Uh, uh, Rose from the opposition um, to the critique of his own tradition, Gaudi Vaishnavism, on the part of Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasthi Thakura. They have a life, they're still circulating around now on the internet. They th- and those people put them out there and they think they've really made a definitive case against uh, Bhakti Siddhanta when their faith in Bhak- Gaudi Vaishnavism came from Bhakti Siddhanta and Bhakti Vinod. Not a good idea. Hmm. Not a good idea. And of course, they think now they've got the perfect one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, hundred and eight. It's just like this, and that's how it is. And there's no other way to practice it. There's no difference, uh, nuance. Hmm. This is what this is the Kanishta mentality. I was went here. I thought it was like this exactly. Then I found, oh, this over here is wrong. This is completely right. And, and they don't, and, and they move from group to group, but they don't see that each group has some, what might be called irregularities, or differences also of interpretation in certain aspects of the philosophy, and thus uh, different ways in which they, one may apply oneself to attain the goal. There's room for different nuanced interpretations, and there's room for irregularities, um, perhaps, as well. And even there's room for some philosophical uh, diversions, was your word. You thought, how can there be those? Right. So we'll try to explain. Um, and and let, let's explain it in the context of, the, of, the, of a catchphrase, preaching strategies. Hmm? If someone has the power to preach... Krishna Shakti Vine Nahi. 
तार प्रवर्तन बालबचार्य सेदन चेतन चार्य मृत्यु नो वन कैन प्रोपगेट संकीर्तन विदाउट कृष्ण शक्ति सो वन टाइम आई वाज वॉकिंग विद प्रभुपाद इन शिकागो एंड माय गॉड ब्रदर Sanyasi Tamal Krishnamurti asked him that Prabhupada, I think it was him, is Prabhupada, on Ekadasi we fast, and I'd like to know, is Ekadasi something that's positive or negative? In other words, do we fast because it's a negative influence and so we're to overcome it? Or if it's a, is it a positive one, if it's a positive one, why do we fast? Something like that was his question. You follow? So Prabhupada said, "Ekadasi is for feasting, not fasting." Mm-hmm. And he explained it's Hari's day, you know, in his own words, and it's positive, and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. And so he was talking along those lines, and uh, and uh, about some of the topic went off to, to rules and so forth, and uh, to be followed. And Prabhupada said, "For the preacher, there are no rules." And then he said, "But, but don't you take it?" He waved his finger like this. That, tomorrow and the other one may may say, "Don't you, the, the, don't take it that you are a preacher, therefore there are no rules for you." But for the preacher, there are no. Rules. Mm-hmm. So I took it. We are assisting the preaching. <laughs> we follow the rules. We are assisting the preaching. But for the preacher, there are no rules. Prabhupada's back in his own words is saying. The, the conclusion of. Of 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 Hari Bhakti Vilas. Hmm? Hari Bhakti Vilas is written for householders. Not that householders can't be preachers. Obviously, Bhakti Nathakur was a preacher, but it's it says it it's not written for the renunciates. All the rules don't apply to the renunciates, hmm? um, who were more more typically, let's say, the preachers, hmm? um, sannyasi. A renunciate is is naturally the the, um, the go-to person for um, answering your questions and associating with and respecting and and so on and so forth. So, <laughs> so if you are a preacher, Bhaktivinoda Thakur was a preacher. Just to put it in perspective, right? Uh, again, he was the sweeper in front of the Sankirtan of Mahaprabhu. Bhakti Siddhanta considered himself a straw in the broom of Bhakti. Bhakti, uh, you know, what I associated with my Guru Maharaj and Pujapachita Maharaj, Mudpuri Maharaj, all disciples of Bhakti Siddhanta, who all felt like he's a he's a straw in the broom of Bhakti. But no, our position is nothing. That's how they felt about Bhakti Siddhanta. And that's how I felt about them, and so on and so forth. So, so at any rate, um, a powerful preacher. Like Bhakti Vinod, any preacher can take uh, liber- some liberties. I'll give you another example. Uh, uh, before I go on, uh, we were selling Prabhupada's books, and he wanted them to be sold and to be sold widely, distributed, circulated, and so forth. And sometimes um, our tactics for selling them were were not um, endearing us entirely to the to the, to to everyone. In uh, uh, in the public, and um, 
one of the devotees complained to Prabhupada. It happened more than once, but Prabhupada, you know, I sold this book and then I found it in, in, in the trash bin. Somebody threw it away. Whether it was the person's tactic or the guy read the book and anything, doesn't, I don't like it, threw it away. So then he felt like I sold a book to someone, you know, then he took it and he read it and he threw it away. And Prabhupada said, what can be done? They're throwing their babies away in the, in the waste paper baskets. You know, this is a way of, not literally, but some, some cases it happened. What can be done? The point being there was that, that he was, if someone makes an offense to the Bhagavatam and you're the person that gave him the Bhagavatam, maybe you'll be implicated in the offense. When Prabhupada first printed six volumes of the Bhagavatam, hardback with colored pictures, I was so startled by this. I was the first to sell those. Hmm? And I was at the airport in Los Angeles and I'd give somebody the book and I would say, now, um, I would sit down with him and have it in a briefcase and I'd open the book and say, hey, let me show you something. Where are you from? You know? Start talking to him about the book and then I'd convince him to buy the book and then I'd say, now when... Then I told him, when you take it home, very careful, you know, put it on a shelf, you know, <laughs> don't, you know, uh, you should show regard for it. And the guy was looking at me like I was, you know, it was crazy, but, but he's saying, well, this must be a special book, you know. <laughs> so I was concerned like that. Um, but um, the point is that uh, Prabhupada felt at that point, at that point in Gaudiya Vaishnavism's uh, dispensation, Outside of India, for the first time, in 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 this case in in, in America, um, we were like spiritual terrorists. Hmm? So terrorists do things to get people's attention hmm? that may be horrible, even, but they get people's attention. And once they get people's attention, then they have the opportunity to say, "And by the way, this is what we're about." And so that there, so, so Prabhupada felt any publicity at this point is good publicity. Any publicity is good publicity. If we get publicity, then from there, not that we consciously do things bad, like a terrorist, to get, but you know, uh, uh, we weren't. We could have been more, a better in our approach, but that we were who we were, and we do what we could to sell books to people and that's just using this example so there's a negative to it hmm? but the preacher in this case Prabhupada he could digest it he could digest that hmm? um, that was a preaching strategy by hook or by book hook or by crook sell the book something like that that was his his own words he he, he, he Encourages along those lines. Now one has to see that in perspective, and then see how times have changed. That was, we, we, you know, we don't want to continue to be a, a spiritual terrorist. Now we want to be a spiritual politician <laughs> and uh, get elected. Uh, you know, that's how the terrorism works. You know, you get your cause and you get your country uh, and so forth. So, so a preacher like like Prabhupada, he took certain uh, liberties in the way in the way that he talked about the philosophy. Hmm? The way he emphasized it, um, the way he criticized, um, even uh, or critiqued other traditions or other approaches 
to go to Vaishnavism, which may not have been as bad as they sounded even to us when Prabhupada critiqued them, but had he not critiqued them, we wouldn't have been sufficiently inspired to do it the way he wanted it, which was for a certain purpose, and he was empowered by Nityananda Prabhu to do it in this way and so forth. So um, you go back to Bhakti Vinod, and I've cited a couple of ways in which he, he turned the philosophy a little bit um, for preaching to the Americas. His explanation of Nadi Karma, his way of saying, you don't have to get uh, uh, you know, bhaktis in your heart, something like that, uh, this kind of ideas. Um, uh, so, um, so, powerful devotees can do something like that. And, and they should have the power in doing something like that, to leave someone behind who can then tweak it and adjust it in due course when the preaching life has, when it, the shelf life of the preaching strategy has been reached. Hmm? Follow me? Yeah. So, there's a possibility of such. With regard to irregularities, what you call irregularity in this party bar, you know, uh, we call yours, what, something in yours, an irregularity. Um, you know, like you take, let's take, let's take the, uh, the Siddhapranali sectors. Even the, some of them, of course, are are giving swaroops, and, and they themselves are still under the influence of, of Maya Shakti, and making up swaroops and giving them to people and pretending that they're meditating. And this happens. I, I know people that do this. Then there may be those who actually are strong. Uh, bhaktas advanced and so forth they give the Siddhapranali they, they say that they're meditating and Krishna's giving it to them and so forth I don't believe it hmm? not for a minute neither is that practice mentioned anywhere in the scripture nowhere hmm? now you could interpret certain sections to say this is the implication of that and so on and so forth I believe personally that's a preaching strategy hmm? to faith in the disciple and you give a prototype of the of the manjari as they do, which you can find, for example, in the, the Dhyan Chandra's uh, Govinda Archan Padati, which is taken much from Snatkumar Samhita. Hmm? Description of the manjari comes there. She's this old. She's like the basic idea, hmm? and they have some formula that they developed. Hmm? Or, and then you meditate on this. So, so, so let's say I give you a prototype of a, of a manjari and, 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 and say, you know, you think, think of yourself like this. Hmm? This would be a service. This would be... In a way, it, it doesn't have to be harmful. Hmm? Hmm? Could be good. Hmm? Um, some people, there are some advanced devotees in that sector hmm? who have been doing that for, for, for centuries. So, but I believe... The idea that the guru is meditating, Krishna gives the sarup. I mean, I know devotees whom I respect, even in those lineages who do that, who I know for a fact aren't doing that. Hmm? I know for a fact. Hmm? So I'm not saying it's bad necessarily, but there is a real bad side of it where somebody else imitates what they're doing, <laughs> you know, and it really becomes then absurd. Hmm? So that's a particular interpretation. In our group, then, uh, and, and there's nothing wrong with the guru giving such information. Some give them earlier. Hmm? Some are, in not only our group, 
the Bhakti Vinod Paribar, you take the Gadadhar Paribar of, uh, uh, in which uh, Satyanarayan does Baba's in Haridas Shastri's group. They're a little prominent today, producing uh, core texts and so forth. Um, and they told they don't do that. They don't. They don't do that at all. But they're against, he was Haridas was completely against that practice. Hmm? So completely against it. He referred to God as Ishwar. And they were Raghunuga Bhakti. We're all Raghunuga Bhakti. We're on a path of Gaudiya Vaishnava, Mr. Raghunuga Bhakti. So there's some differences in preaching strategies, irregularities. Um, you can see and he interprets it like this and so forth. And so when you get it all said and done, you went from this group to that group. And then if you want to really get into it, hmm, and you really look close and record everything the Guru says, you know, like they did the prop, and they go, he said this over here, he said this over here. That's going to happen hmm, in most cases across the board. Hmm? And there's room room for that. Hmm? Hmm? Difference of his interpretations, irregularities, preaching strategies. And to sort all these things out, that's a little, maybe a little difficult, but you have a good person in me to help you do, <laughs> help you do that. Uh, so, does that answer your question? Yeah. yeah. Everybody's got some preaching strategy. Everybody's got some irregularities. Hmm. They preach in uh, at, from the uh, Radhakund line. There's no Sakyaras in Gaudiya Vaishnavism. We could show it to a few places, <laughs> and, and, and they know about that. But they, 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 that's how they preach, right? That's the strategy too. Keep their group focused on the one thing, and then their group was <laughs> militant against, you know, hating, hating the cowherds. I suppose, you know, I don't know. <laughs> well, we've seen that <laughs> to some extent. So, what else? What's the time? Long or short? You want a long answer or a short answer? I'll be here tomorrow, so you decide. <laughs> Is it related to this? Um, not the previous. Previous class? Maybe save it for tomorrow then. We've had a good discussion this evening already. Shishitaji Gopal ki jai, Gauri Vaishnav Guru Parampara ki jai, Gaur Bhakta Vrinda ki jai, Gaur Premanandi.